This is Wealth Builders, presented by State & Walsh, a show designed to pull back the curtain of the financial industry and bring true transparency to the forefront of conversation. On the show, we cover topics like financial education, current events, and interview business leaders and industry experts with the ultimate goal of helping listeners discover their own path to financial independence. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Wealth Builders. It's it's that time of year, right? It's uh, it's tax talk. 2024. I know you've all probably seen some news out there about IRS changes to contribution limits, to tax bracket adjustments. So today we're just going to do a deep dive into it, what it means for you, for your retirement accounts, for whether it's gifting, whatever it may be. So let's dive right in, Ryan. Well, taxes typically are not a super exciting topic, but we're going to make it fun today. Always relevant this time of year. The IRS comes out with their uh, adjustments for the next calendar year's tax limits. So I think the big bullet points for for 2024 is that, you know, pretty substantial adjustment to various brackets, uh, specifically on the income tax bracket front, a 5.4% adjustment for 2024. The wages in a lot of ways have not matched inflation of late. And so why that's going to be important is that for some folks that are on the fringe of certain tax brackets, like could be in a higher or lower tax bracket, you know, that adjustment could mean the difference between paying, you know, for example, 12 and 22% at a federal level on, on certain money that you earn in income. So I think that it's interesting. These topics have gotten a lot of, a lot of buzz recently. News is, is, is traveling fast these days and this stuff is more readily available. I've definitely seen more information out there on social media platforms about how these adjustments could affect taxation for folks, but the income tax bracket adjustment is probably the biggest news for most folks. You know, the other stuff in terms of adjustments to certain certain limits on retirement plan contributions, those are pretty standard, happen every year in some capacity, some years bigger than others, some years no adjustments at all. Obviously, with the, the rate of inflation the past few years, a lot of these things are getting attention and, and, and also big bumps in comparison to years past. Real quick, Ryan, with the, so inc- the increase of 5.4% to the tax brackets, that seems like a fairly big jump, right? I mean, that's that's pretty significant. Yeah, it's Compared big. to years past, like what does that look like? Yeah, so, you know, the IRS looks at factors like inflation, specifically when you look at a measure CPI, consumer price index. There's there's a lot of economic data out there that they utilize to make these decisions on uh, what's a fair increase. And so, typically tax brackets, social security, contribution limits are getting some kind of, we'll call it a cost of living adjustment on an annual basis. And so 5.4 is definitely substantial. It's bigger than most. I mean, you typically we'll see something in recent history prior to obviously the hyperinflation that we saw over the past you know year or so or 18 months, you know, you'll typically see a couple percentage points here and there, not, not 5.4%. And so I think that is significant 
like I mentioned, because I folks that are on those fringe of potentially being in a bracket or not, I, I, we don't know this for sure, but I think in a lot of cases, when we look at wage data, like people aren't getting 5.4% raises every year. And so that bump in theory could could put people in a lower bracket just by default, which I think is is important to note. And that could create scenarios where there's some tax savings. It's not necessarily going to be huge for everyone, but the point being that you know your your increase in income may or may not equate to what the increase in in the reportable income tax brackets could be for this year, which I think you know is is big in a lot of ways, but you know, an, another reason to pay attention to these types of things. And I know one of the things that whenever these limits come out every year, people always look at the IRA contribution limits, the 401k, 403b, but also the standard deduction. Mm-hmm. So I know that this year increased to 29200 for married couples, which is up $1,500. That's, that's pretty good. It's actually $1,500 there for the standard deduction. And yeah. 14600 for single filers, which is up about $750, so half, obviously. Yeah. So that, that even there, that's that's you know, that's pretty good tax savings there for when we're talking about just the standard deduction. Yeah, and you know, the move with tax law changes to uh, a standard deduction, I think, you know, the simplification of that for most filers not itemizing deductions anymore, that in conjunction with the increase in the brackets, that 5.4% increase. So if you look at it this way, the standard deduction, just to kind of like talk about that point briefly, that's essentially your, we'll call it a freebie in air quotes of from the IRS saying, if you take the standard deduction, you can reduce taxable income by this amount of money. And so that 29,200 for married filers or 14,6 for single filers being up in the way that it is in combination with the fact that the tax brackets have also been bumped. So now you get a bigger deduction and you also have a higher threshold to break into a new federal tax bracket, for example. Combination of those two things could ultimately help create some additional savings where you know certain monies that were being taxed at a higher rate maybe now get taxed at a lesser rate. And, and so that's ultimately money in, in your pocket. So important to keep track of this stuff obviously for for many people the standard deduction because of the increase in size of that that element of the tax code has become kind of the the standard uh in in these cases and some of these tax savings what you know what can people do with those tax savings so transition that now to ira contribution limits just retirement plan contribution limits in general most have went up this year. So, for example, the IRA contribution limits have increased to seven thousand dollars. So, and then another catch-up contribution on top of that of thousand dollars. If you're thousand dollars, if you're fifty or over, mm-hmm. so you can use some of these tax savings to even start planning for your retirement and put away more money. Sure. Yeah. Whether no. it's tax savings or not, you can still put that more extra yeah, money away. Yeah. Yeah. Those are all planning considerations. Obviously, on a on a case by case basis, as a client or a, an investor or, or you know, someone that's just planning for their financial future. Obviously, any kind of money that you're saving can be utilized in, in many different ways. It could increase savings just in cash. You could utilize it to cap out or take advantage of some of these other you know, savings limits that have increased. You know, that may be money that's necessary for other expenses in, in your life. I mean, it's no secret. The reason the 5.4% increase happened is because things are more expensive. Inflation is, is happening. So I think in general, all of these increases have a, a, a good use for, for individual planners and investors. And I think 
you know, just figuring out how to best utilize this for yourself and do a little bit of tax planning for 2024. I think one of the things that gets most attention is we're getting to December 31st. Let's get stuff done for 2023, but let's not neglect our planning for 2024. Let's pre-plan where you know, now our limits are higher for certain contributions. Certain things have changed. You may or may not know at this point what, you know, for example, if you're getting a raise next year, cost of living adjustment, you may know what that is, you may not. You know, matching that up with I'm putting X percent in my 401k at my job. Well, now is that percentage going to, if you're already maxing out, for example, are you going to continue to do that at that percentage or do you need to increase or decrease your percentages to make them more appropriate for whatever the limits are? So are you turning 50 next year? Now you have access to a catch-up contribution in retirement accounts. That's significant. So the the 401k, 403 being 457 plan limits increased to $23,000, but over 50, there's a $7,500 catch-up contribution. So if you're behind the eight ball and plan for retirement or if you're just you're doing great i mean that's, that's a significant amount of money in the tax deferred basis that yeah. we can put away for 50 or over i mean that's that's over thirty thousand dollars a year yeah like yeah there's a reason why it's called a catch-up contribution obviously it is designed to help those who have not you know for a, a myriad of reasons have not felt like they've done enough there they have a little bit of extra wiggle room to put more money away there's obviously some tax savings uh, component to that as well. If you do it on a pre-tax basis, you know there there are all kinds of considerations with new legislation, Secure 2.0, for example. If anyone's heard that term, there's some some things about retirement plan contributions that could potentially change, especially with the catch-up contribution. But for the purposes of the tax talk today definitely want to if you have the ability to do that or have a need for saving more money that catch-up contribution is a hundred percent available for people as of today and and should be utilized accordingly if if it's appropriate something that we get questions about all the time for a lot of our younger successful clients roth ira mm-hmm. so the what is the phase out and what does that look like now going into 2024 for roth iras for whether you're single or you're married filing jointly for roth ira be able to contribute to a roth ira yeah so for for a single filer on the roth ira side it a pretty big adjustment in terms of where the phase out is in 2020. Um, there's a phase out range, so you say 146,000 yeah, to $161,000, I think. There, yeah, and so that's for individual single filers or head of household filing status. And so that range, the phase out range essentially means you have your full 7,000 if you make under that as a single filer. For a joint filer, it's 230 to 240 is that same range that we just referenced. If you make under that amount, 7,000 is readily available for you to defer into that account. Roth, again, is after tax money goes into the account, is considered tax deferred, and when distributed in retirement is tax-free. So there are income limitations to that in an IRA setting, um, differing from a 401k, which some have Roth provisions. There's no income limitation to that. That's you know plan by plan specific, but keeping an eye on those those income levels. Those are adjusted gross income, or AGI for short, tested. So when you look at how much money you're making on your tax return, you want to reference adjusted gross income and make sure that 
if you are above that limit that you're working with your tax professional or your financial professional to ensure that you're not contributing to an account when you're not technically eligible to do so, or if you are eligible, but you can only contribute a lesser amount that you don't exceed that. So a lot of different rules here that you have to, you have to follow. Speaking about that real quick, Ryan, that's something that's, that's a good point. So a lot of people want to know if they have a Roth 401k provision at work or traditional 401k, what are the rules around also contributing to their own personal Roth IRA or traditional IRA? Yeah. So the rules between the two, so there are aggregate limits on an annual basis. So how much money a, 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 an investor can contribute to these types of accounts on an annual basis. And, and so when you look at Roth at work versus Roth on an individual basis, I think the big consideration is always going to be income level. If you exceed the level of income allowed uh, based on the IRS published limits here for phase outs and then complete phase out, if you exceed that and you're not going to get below that limit and you do have a Roth 401k available through your job, that that's ultimately going to be your, I would say, the most seamless way for you to get money into a Roth IRA. If you were in the camp of I, you know, I I don't want to put pre-tax money away. I want to make maximize my Roth contributions, and you are under those limits. You are going to have an employee deferral limit on an annual basis with your plan. You're also going to have that seven thousand dollar limit. You just want to make sure that collectively across all contributions and all types of accounts, retirement related, that you do not exceed the aggregate limit for those accounts on an annual basis. And so, you know, that that's something that is going to be important to track. It's also, it gets kind of complicated to track, which is why, you know, working with a qualified tax professional or somebody in the financial services industry that can help you with that to kind of keep track of those things. I'm always in the camp of less complication. Keep it simple. Keep it straightforward. All about that. Tax code is complicated enough as it is. So you just want to make sure that you're you're tracking those contributions across various accounts. And if you are maxing out any kind of contribution to your 401k at work, that any additional contributions to other accounts are properly recorded and have the appropriate tax status. What are some of the penalties for something like that? Or if somebody contributes to max out, we see it a lot of time, a lot of higher compensated individuals will, you know, they will no longer say in June or July, halfway through the year, they've already maxed out their 401ks. And I want to start an IRA now. Yeah. So what, what, what are the, the penalties for that? Yeah. So if you over contribute or, or make excess contributions to, let's say, a 401k at your work, most record keepers or, or financial institutions have kind of guardrails in place. Payroll systems will recognize this and will either reallocate those contributions or cut them off potentially. But if you do over contribute, you are going to have to make a corrective distribution from the plan. That's going to be subject if you do it on a pre-tax basis, it's going to be subject to income taxes. So you obviously can't defer that if it's not allowed to stay in the plan. On an IRA basis, there is an excise tax associated with an over-contribution. Off the top of my head, I believe that's 6% of that contribution. Plus, if you put the money in, you take it out, 
That corrective distribution can be subject to penalties and any taxes appropriate based on the tax status of the account. So it can get really messy, really sticky. You could put a dollar in and end up filtering that dollar down to you know pennies on the dollar if you if you don't track this appropriately. A lot of times, institutions, especially if you're doing your own IRA contributions with a you know discount brokerage or any large institutional company out there, a lot of it's self-reporting. So they're not going to if you have accounts in other places. They're not going to track that. They're not going to do anything to cross-reference that. It's going to be up to you to, to keep track of those things. And so when you go to file your taxes at tax time, if you use a CPA or some kind of tax preparation software, it's going to recognize that, hey, based on what you've the information you've given us, you've, you've done something wrong here. And so now here's what you're going to have to do to correct that, which you know will ultimately incur some kind of tax or or penalty associated with it. So definitely, if you're listening, definitely keep track of all the different accounts that you have and make sure to talk to your tax professional or your advisor um, if that's something that might happen to you this year. And one last thing I'd like to focus on today, Ryan, is the gift tax, like kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. joining in taxes and estate planning and wealth transfer all together. So I know the new gift tax exclusion exclusion for this year is 18,000 up from 17,000 last year. And I also know that the state tax is going to be sunsetting here in the next few years. So I think Mm -hmm. this is something that's really important. A lot of people don't fully understand. Yeah. And there's a lot of opportunities here for parents to gift to their children, grandchildren, whoever, whoever it may be, and using things like their lifetime exclusion or just the annual exclusion. Can you touch on that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, so gift and estate tax is probably a very, probably one of the most misunderstood when we communicate with clients about what their options are, how they can utilize it. I'll, I'll, I'll skip to the end and what you mentioned. So the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 made some adjustments in areas such as qualified business income, so QBI, there were some changes to to some other deductions, standard deductions, a lot of other stuff that that happened with that. But one of the biggest was the change to the estate tax law. So at the time, the the limit for a married couple was somewhere in the eleven plus million dollar range of total available gift tax or excuse me estate tax exemption. So essentially, if you died and you had a net worth greater than that, you would be subject to an additional tax on top of any other taxes that were owed. That law changed, and now that number is you know north of twenty three million. That law sunsets at the end of 2025, January 26. The rules will revert back to the previous law's limits, um, adjusted for inflation. So, you know, just back of the napkin math, maybe somewhere between 13, 14 million, something in, in that range. That will be published at the time, obviously. But essentially, for those that are higher net worth individuals, this is a big consideration. You own a business, you have you know, other assets that are subject to estate taxes that are within your estate, you're now losing a pretty big exemption from that. And so there's some ultimately going to be some strategy around how to maximize that, maybe using some of it before it sunsets, using some of those credits to gift in your lifetime. So there are ways where you can avoid taxation, get money out of your estate, do some things there. On a gift tax basis, so gift taxes are not exclusive to high net worth individuals. This is anyone. So that adjustment up to an $18,000 limit, which is a $1,000 increase from $17,000 in 2023, that basically means that you can free and clear give anyone per person 
you know, $18,000 without any reporting tax implications. How gift taxes usually work is the the person making the gift would have to pay some form of tax associated with that gift. And so now with that limit, you have $18,000. So if you're a parent giving to a child, grandchildren, whoever it may be, you know, another relative, a friend, family member, doesn't really matter. That 18,000 per person, so 36,000 for a married couple uh, is is readily available. And so that's just money that you could gift during your lifetime without having to worry about taxes. If you wanted to gift more than that, there are some you know, rules that you would have to follow, some reporting that would have to be done. There are some ways around that in using some of that credit, that 23 million that I mentioned, or doing a one-time larger gift to folks using a five-year exemption rule. So again, tons of moving parts there, but if you wanted to just give money to someone, if it's greater than $18,000, you just wanna be mindful that there are potentially some tax consequences to that. If it's less than that, you're free to gift as, as you see fit. And obviously, if you're you know married or offering those gifts to multiple people, it's not you know a total gift um, on behalf of the person making the gift. It's per person that is receiving the gift. Now, is that just cash gifts? What if, for example, a parent buys a car or gives mm-hmm. a car for the value of thirty thousand yeah. dollars? So, I mean, typically you're going to look at you know gifting money or assets, kind of in the same fashion there are some exceptions to that rule but ultimately yeah i would i would say that all of those gifts are, are things that you're going to want to want to keep track of value and and report accordingly and how do you report that is it something on the, on the tax forms every year yeah so there's a gift tax form and i am trying to remember the number off the top of my head um you didn't read that last night no you know i i know a lot i have a lot of numbers in my in my brain but that's one i I don't want to say the wrong number but i i have an idea of what it is but there is a gift tax form so when you go to file your taxes annually you're going to file that gift tax essentially part of your tax return saying i made a gift to this person for this amount if it's reportable and then you know it'll it will be calculated based on whatever whatever rule that it's falling under. So if you're using it under the exemption, nothing really reportable there. If you're above that, if you're above that limit and you're making a pretty large gift, then you're gonna and this the exception, one of the exceptions is this this is not gifts to charity. These are not gifts to nonprofit organizations. We're not talking about gifting for those types of purposes. This is, I just want to give money something, you know, parent wants to give a child money to help them buy a house or to buy something or wants to gift money to grandchildren for educational purposes or things like that. This is not nonprofit, you know, raising money for a good cause types of gifts. This is just gifting to family members, friends, extended folks who are not, who do not have nonprofit status. That's good information. Well, we talked a lot about a lot of numbers today, strategy. So the key thing to, to focus on going to 2024 is to know these numbers, be prepared, set a strategy going into 2024, and always talk to your tax professionals and your advisors. Obviously, we here at State & Walsh are always here to help out answering yeah. questions you may have. So once again, we thank you for taking the time to listen to Wealth Builders today. Make sure to like and subscribe, share the episode, and please reach out if you have any questions for us. Ryan, that's the end of Tax Talk 2024. Hopefully we'll have some, some more enjoyable 
conversations and fun rather than just talking about taxes. But there are some oh, positives from this. I, I save more money, retirement, making money. So yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yep. Not uh, all bad in this episode. Knowledge. Knowledge is power. So the tax code is, is very long and complicated, but the more you know, you know, the better off you'll be. So take a look in the show notes too for some quick hit items of, of things to review and change. And no, I appreciate it. it was, Ryan will continue to read tax code every night for all your benefits. I will. I, I will. I will get that gift tax form number. I promise for next time. Thanks everyone. Have a great week.